In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So for today's uh, second talk, I wasn't able to put a PowerPoint to, uh, together, but the concept is simple. The concept is simple. You know, if we were talking before last week, we were talking last week about why Jesus Christ, the Word of God, had to become human in order to save us, we spoke about the sin that had happened to humanity, that we were separated from God, and that we were going to die physically, and we were going to die spiritually, and the only one who can come and save us is the one who could undo all of that. The one who could give immortality is the one who has immortality as part of him. The one who could unite us with God had to be God. The one who could join us again to Him had to be joined to the Father. And also, the one had to be human. So that's why we'll say in our liturgy of St. Gregory, neither an angel nor an archangel nor a prophet did you send. Right? This is because of this concept that it had to be the Son of God. And in the beginning of um, the section that we were reading today, which was section 19. There's this beautiful, uh, uh, in section 20, he says, by the coming of the Word, by the coming of the, the Logos, Jesus Christ, by the coming of the Word into the human body, it was no longer corruptible by its own nature, but because of the indwelling of the Word of God, it became immune to corruption. And thus it happened that both things occurred together in a kind... He says it's a paradox. The death of all was completed in the body of our Lord. And also death and corruption were destroyed by the death of the Word. You see that the death was destroyed by death and we're going to get into that. He says that it was... It turned from corruptible to incorruptible because of the Savior who in the beginning created the universe, and that it was not for another to recreate, but for Jesus Christ himself, the image of God. And it was not for another to raise us up, but Jesus Christ. And it was not for another to teach us about the Father, except the Word. So he goes again, St. Athanasius constantly is repeating over and over the points of salvation. And then in this section that we were reading today, 19 through 32, he says we have to describe the end of Jesus' life and why uh, he died in the particular way that he died. And he goes um, and he speaks, sorry, Okay, sorry. And so he goes in the very beginning and he speaks about how all of creation, thank you, all of creation broke its silence. Basically, Christ, who formed creation in the very beginning, when he was on the cross, creation began to speak out and point to the one who was on the cross. It said in the sixth hour that darkness was over the land. 
The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earthquake, the rocks split. Um, that was in Matthew. Darkness over the land, again in Mark. And it happened at the sixth hour, darkness and the veil splitting. And then also, uh, the, those that were in the tombs began to rise. And so St. Athanasius, he kind of starts to say, look, the one who created creation was witnessed by, and he was given testimony by creation. And then he goes on and he starts to talk about specifically why Jesus Christ had to die in this specific way. And he gives a couple of general points. And I'm going to explain a couple of them more than what he says so that we can understand. First off, he couldn't just die a natural death. Why couldn't he die a natural death? Because he's too... He's, this would, if the Savior of the world was, was killed because it was overcome by the body, by some natural death, you're going to say that doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Word of God, his body just got old and died. Or he was, you know, hit by a car, but there was no cars back there. But something, you know, like, you know, some sort of mistake or accident happened in this way, it would have left doubt within us. That's what St. Athanasius, we would have doubted. If Jesus Christ picked the way he was going to die, if he himself said, I'm going to die this way, although he, 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 went, he kind of prophesied about it, when the Son of Man is lifted up. But he didn't say, I'm going to die this way, this is the way I want to die. He let this happen to him, so also that there would be no doubt about, maybe he picked this way because this was too tough for him. Or maybe he chose this uh, because of some other reason. And, and St. Athanasius said, because he did not choose his form of death, uh, it is again to encourage us that he was... Um, he, was, uh, he, he had power over death and it didn't matter. He says, he accepted the death from his enemies, which was considered to be ho uh, the most horrible way to die. And he accepted this. And also he dies on the cross as a curse. In Galatians uh, chapter 3, St. Paul repeats the Old Testament saying, Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus Christ becomes a curse for us. And He takes away, by becoming the curse, He takes away the curse from us. This is a bit of the paradox that He says, the paradox that He talks about. And the paradox, you guys know what that word means, paradox? It means it's like, it seems like a contradiction. It seems like a contradiction. By death, He takes away death from us. And it, we have it in our life. Another, the fathers will say, um, venom and, and, uh, and its antidote. The antidote to the venom is the venom, right? I'm not a scientist, but that's usually the, the venom. When you need the antidote to the venom, if you're bitten by a snake, but they reverse it in some order, but it's the same substance that is going to heal you as the, as the poison which is killing you. And this is what's um, amazing about the salvation. And then he begins... And he, and he says he also picks the, tr the cross because it was uh, a curse for the Jews and it was like blasphemy for the Gentiles. 
So he, he, he kind of puts himself down in this way, he humbles himself, empties his, himself. And then he starts to say, but also he's hanging on the cross in a position where his arms are spread out to gather everyone to him. This is not beyond our Savior. Right? Why, why is it so important that you know, we look to his way of his arms? Because this is his message to the world. And then there was another particular um, belief back then, which was that he was suspended in air, and the air and the heavens was the territory of the demons. The air and the heavens, the, ter- the, the demons, not only the demons, but the other gods. Uh, and we can understand this when we think about the planets. Mercury, Jupiter, Mars, all of those were gods. And this was their territory in space and in the universe. This was their area. So he is victorious by being hung on the cross, suspended in air in the territory of the demons. And even though he dies, the life that is in him is stronger than death. The life that's in us becomes stronger than death through our connection with Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about this later on. But St. Athanasius, he says he died this way. He didn't pick his death. He didn't do a natural death. Uh, it wasn't privately. He could, his whole ministry was public. That was another point. His whole ministry was public, so his death had to be public. And so he doesn't do it privately, but he does it publicly. He does it in a way that nobody would expect. It was a, cursed is the person that hangs on the tree. So he goes, the way he dies is a problem for the Jews. The way he dies is a problem for the, for the Gentiles and for the pagans. He ha- hangs on the cross in this terrible death. But in it, he gives a message to the world that he's gathering everybody to himself. And he's in that area where the demons are. And he is fighting against, uh, in a way, he's fighting against them. Before his death, the cross was a sign of, uh, a, a, of a curse. After his death, it becomes a sign of victory. And that he gives us this victory over death through his death. We talked about salvation before, just to kind of bring this to you. Why, was he, why, why did he have to die? He had to die because of the curse. His death... His death was for all of us. Now, even though He died, He saves us. And how does He save us? By us entering into His death. St. Paul writes that we die with Christ by entering into the waters of our baptism. It's, it's crazy the way that we baptize. The way that baptism is in general. If I take the baby and I put him in the water and I leave him there, he's dead. There's no way he's going to live. And this is the place of, uh, that could be the tomb, is, becomes the place of the womb, where he's born again, or she is born again. The womb and the tomb are the same, and does it three times. And St. Paul says this um, specifically in Romans chapter 6, and in Colossians chapter 3, but Romans chapter 6 is uh, very clearly, he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead 
by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We are given salvation in so many different stages through His incarnation. And the incarnation is really here. This is where He is conceived in the womb of St. Mary. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God coming on St. Mary uh, and Jesus Christ is formed in the womb. So that becomes where He takes on our humanity which had fallen, our humanity which fell afterwards, and He restores it. Okay, so Jesus Christ restores it. How does that, how do I get that? Right? How do I get that? Jesus Christ first, He restores it, and then He teaches us about God. Remember I said to be human today is to know about God, to, to know God. And that when we fell from the garden, we forgot God. And so Jesus Christ comes to restore the knowledge of God. But it still doesn't take care of sin, and it doesn't take care of death. Yes, He's restoring us, He's recreating us, and that's what baptism does for us. But then death comes through the, 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 the death that He dies for us, He dies for everyone. And that's why we say, He conquered death by death. He didn't con- this is from Christos Anesti. Christos Anesti, Thanato. He conquers death by His death. So the death that He dies on the cross, He dies for everyone. And when the devil went to capture His soul, when the devil went to capture his soul, he opened the gates of Hades. And he bound him. He bound Satan. And so now he has freed us from death. But again, how does that get to me? How do I get that death? So that I, I overcome death. And then he rises from the dead. He, he speaks to everybody about the resurrection. Okay, how do I get the resurrection? How do I get... And then He leaves them for 10 days and then the Holy Spirit comes on the church. And the church becomes the body of Christ. And the one who is part of the body of Christ, which is the church, is the one who does not die. There are two deaths that they speak about in the book of Revelation. And I've heard this a number of ways and I don't agree with a a, a few of the analyses. The first death which everyone must die is not the physical death. The first death is baptism. You cannot read Revelation as a liturgical sacramental text and not see that. The first death is baptism. The second death is the hellfire and that's what we don't want. First death is baptism. Physical death means nothing. Physical death, we don't call it a death. There is no death for your servants but a departure. Physical death is not what we talk about. First death is baptism. Second death, which we avoid, is eternal condemnation. We die in our baptisms. And this is how we die with Him, we rise with Him. And we are united with Him through the body and through the blood. And so His body is our body and we are part of His body. This is how all of this gets united to us. This is the sacramental life. And real quickly, because I promised it's going to be short... St. Athanasius speaks about the, what are the witnesses to the resurrection. How can we really believe in the resurrection? Yes, he was in the tomb for one day. This was part of it. He didn't, he didn't just come out immediately. Then people would have said he's not really dead. He didn't wait a couple of weeks because people would have forgotten. People would have said maybe it's not him, it's somebody that looks like him. And apparently that happened. A lot, right? This isn't the blind man 
It's like the blind man. Looks like the blind man. Maybe it's the blind man. So he comes out three days later. And the witnesses to the resurrection, what St. Athanasius emphasizes, St. Athanasius is in the 4th century. St. Athanasius is after the time of Diocletian and all the martyrs. So St. Athanasius is looking to the first 300 years of the church and he's saying, look at how all of these people died. The martyrs who died. How courageous they were. If everyone was scared of death before Christ, now children are able to go to death are, are able to give themselves over to death and are not worried. Women and men and children, everyone is not afraid to die. And there are stories, beautiful stories. I mean, sto- I mean, Yanni, you know the stories of the children that gave themselves up, whether it's St. Abanob or even younger. There's a very funny story. Emba uh, Yohannes, remember that book uh, on martyrdom that I gave in the back? Emba Yohannes had it written there. It's an early story where a child and his mother are being are going to die and the mother is carrying the, the child in hand and the child is taken by the emperor and says you don't have to go with your mom you should listen to me and i will take care of you and you will be my son and the, the child is like i don't have to listen to you i'm not going to listen to you i want my mommy i'm going to my mommy i don't you are evil my mommy is right and and what i want to do is i want to die for christ this is a, a child talking to the emperor and it's a funny dialogue because the child is very strong in his conviction and somebody was able to record it. And St. Athanasius, thinking no doubt of these stories, he says, death no longer has power over us. And he tells us that the resurrection is also proved in the notion of how Christ still works within us, still works in the church. Now, we don't begin to have faith in God because of miracles. But... After we have faith in God, we're remembered, we remember miracles when we are, our faith weakens. When, when some of the youth or some young adults, whatever, when someone says, how do I know God is really real? How do I know that all of this is really true and we're not just making it up? They say, look at, look at St. Mary who appeared in Zaytun for so many uh, months or years. All the miracles. Somebody was just telling me a story of... Um, of a, a woman who was Muslim who was sleeping on the threshold of the church for three days during that time and she was healed. The family remained Muslim though uh, and he was, he was visiting the house and saw, even though they were Muslim, a big huge icon of St. Mary in the house. And the guy was confused. Why do you guys have this icon? Or why do you have this picture of St. Mary in your home? And he said, this is our mother Mary. Why do you care about St. Mary? Because she healed my mother of polio when she was young. And so, Yanni, what I'm saying is the miracles that we have, even today in our day and age, we have miracles. And this gives us the confidence that what we believe is right, that there is a resurrection of the dead, and that Christ rose from the dead. Um, And that by, by rising from the dead, He truly conquered death for us, and that we no longer have the sting of death, we no longer have the punishment of sin, that we are uh, recreated in His image and likeness, that we are united with Him, and that through being united with Him, this is how we receive our salvation. And this is what, what when we talk to our brothers and sisters in other faiths, we try to explain to them how we understand salvation is only through union with Christ. 
Others think about faith and belief, and all of that is part of the package of union with Christ. So this is basic summary of this section. Next section, seven sections, 33 to 40, he's going to begin to talk about some of the more specific arguments against the Jews uh, and against the Gentiles during this time. But also, it's beautiful when you read it, even though you're not Jewish and you're not a Gentile, it's beautiful when you read it to see how St. Athanasius has the Scripture and uses the Scripture and the Bible to prove uh, that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. It's really a wonderful thing to read. I encourage you to keep reading and also read your Bibles during this time. Um, any questions or uh, ideas or thoughts? I have one question. I want to put one subject to rest once and for all. We've been asked so many, many, many times. I believe, based on what the Bible says, if anyone wants to enter the kingdom of heaven and is not baptized, he cannot. This is a verse in John. Can you say to all the people who are questioning us, do not judge and do not, whoever is not baptized cannot enter the kingdom of God? So all the other, everybody in this planet, if it's not baptized, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's complicated because the, the thief... The thief, no, no, no. We have examples of the thief, for example, who, who was able to enter paradise without baptism. No, no, no. Now, now you're, making, you're making it make sense, right? You're trying to fit, you fit this. When we talk about baptism, what I fear, this is what I fear. My neighbor, my neighbor is going to go to heaven, and yeah, I'm just saying, and, and, uh, and they're going to say, You're not baptized. And she's going to say, well, well, I had a priest next to me and he didn't say anything about baptism to me ever. And I feel that when we start to look at the Bible like this, we're going to be the ones more in trouble. But what really, when Christ comes, he gives us the sacraments to return to him. Some people weren't given the sacraments. Some people don't know about the sacraments. You can't, you can't tell somebody that doesn't know that you have to go through X, Y, and Z hoops in order to get in the kingdom of heaven, before you speak to them about Christ and all these other things. The doors of the church are open to everyone, but we have to bring the church out to people and, and, and speak to them about the church. There are people that are going to be in the kingdom of heaven that didn't follow these rules. And that's, that's the one main takeaway from that. Well, not one main, but one of the takeaways from that story of the thief is that he didn't take communion, he didn't know the creed, you know, all of these different things. And there are... The Bible is available everywhere you go. I mean, it's an internet, it's available physically, so there's no excuse for anyone who can say, I don't know. I don't think it's that available. It's, it's hardly understood by the Christians that come to church every day. It's, it takes, it takes a, a, and there's a complete package that has to go with it. But if we start to say, you're not baptized, you're not baptized, you're not baptized, then we're going to fall into the fair, uh, sort of a pharisaical, hey, I have, I have orban for you. There's a, a, a pharisaical way of applying it. For us, we believe in this. And for us, we believe this when it comes to, but we are not the judges of people. We are not the people that are going to say, you know, get out of the way, you didn't get baptized, I'm first. Right? This is what we say. And the, the Bible is given to us not to be used as a baseball bat on other people's heads. Uh, you want people to be baptized. Yeah, and you, God forbid, you, you know, you're in a situation where somebody's dying in front of you and they're not baptized. That's something that 
you know, you have to see what you can do in that situation. Just because some of the uh, Protestant churches, they don't believe baptism is so essential right. for the kingdom of heaven. So what you can say to these people? So the, the people that are in the Protestant church, they've been disconnected from this tradition. They don't know about it. And then the next generation doesn't know about it. And they don't read the Bible with the same way. They'll read the Bible and say, oh, it's a spiritual. What the, what the Protestants have done, and I'm not putting the Protestants down. I'm just telling you, I'm explaining to you. They've spiritualized everything. Spiritualized meaning there's no more material substance that they want to use in anything. They want it to be purely spiritual, uh, which, which is not practical. It's not practical for us it's as, as human beings. So that's why we have incense, we have so much going on. And, uh, but but to, to come back to this, when we talk about those that are baptized, bapti- baptism, so you'll have a Protestant that'll come to us and say, I was baptized in that church over there. So we have what we the church usually says is there's the baptism of John the Baptist and then there's the baptism of the church and we we understand how to separate between the two and we try to complete it uh, for our for our um, I, uh, for for us what I want you to focus on what I want, is what you believe so that you can follow in what you believe the other people what they've been given you know. It, it's not for us to discuss and negotiate whether Buddhists or whatever, you know. A Buddhist child whose parents and grandparents and great-grandparents are all Buddhist, what are you going to say? And, yeah, and we, we're trying to think about this, so we say, thank God God is dealing with that. I don't have to let God deal with that. God is a God of love and mercy. But what He gave to us, we have to, we have to do. And now the, the way that the, another Christian takes the Bible and reads and interprets it, it makes sense why they are misinterpreting it or why they're interpreting it a different way. It makes sense because their great-grandparents and their great-grandparents gave it to them like this. The Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, whoever. And, and, and so what we do is we try to stay in our lane and try to understand how we are a part of the church. It's important to discuss it, but my job here is to bring us back in to focus on uh, our faith. And that when we understand our faith as being union with Christ through the sacraments, it's beautiful. When I tell you to go home and read your Agbeya, it's to continue in that union with Christ. I tell you to read your Bible, it's to continue with that. To do service to the poor and those are the... It's to continue that union with Christ. We're not doing this so that we can say, hey, I read the, the ninth hour of the Agbeya every day of my life, let me into the kingdom of God. Like, no. But the, we bring the kingdom of God into our homes and into our lives when we live our life in this way. The stress, the anxiety, the tension, all that stuff that we go on, that we deal with in our life um, can be handled a lot more efficiently and a lot better. And, and I, the way that I understand this and the way I see this is that I look at the martyrs. I look at those who suffer for the sake of Christ and how their faith was able to, to carry that load easily. Last week in, in the Vespers, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, uh, for my yoke is sweet and my burden is light. My yoke is sweet. This is the burden that he's given to us. It's his cross. We're taking the cross, but it is sweet and it is light. Any other? Sorry. Just, just, just to elaborate on this point. Now, 
I'm not selective. I'm not. I'm not uh, restrictive. I'm, I'm, but if somebody comes and asks me, being a deacon, and, and say, my daughter wants to marry somebody who's not baptized, should I enforce this or not? What do I tell them? You know, I, I, I hear you. We have to be accepting everybody. You have to be, you know, uh, in our hearts. We should not judge. But when it comes to that point, do I stick to my belief and principles and and and, and the requirements of the church, or I would say, somebody asked me the other day, my daughter is trying to marry an American guy. Should we, should we enforce baptism on him? What do I say? I Let's talk about this offline. Ali, yes, and yes and no. There's yes and no. Um, and, uh, yeah, 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 of course, baptism for the marriage. Yes. Of course, for the salvation of his soul, yes. But if there's a, a, a family issue that I have to get involved in, so let me take it slowly. I think it's a matter of yes and yes, not yes and no. Because baptism is one of the seven systems. No, no, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about his salvation. I'm ta- I'm dealing with something, I'm dealing with something different. Uh, I'm dealing with something behind. Me. That's you the said, no. You said the yes and no. What is the no? Uh, well, okay. Uh, the no, um, the no is uh, I've seen I've seen marriages where they're married outside of the church, but through a long process of the church serving them. They're able to come into the church and to be strong in the church. Well, that's the no. That's no. It's like, we, how do we proceed? If, if, if it's a real case, how do we proceed? We have to proceed with wisdom. And we have to proceed slowly. Uh, sometimes people, and, and, and with marriage, it's very difficult. Sometimes I'm taking, and I forget about it, I'm taking a very mediocre, very mediocre uh, Coptic Orthodox person. Christmas, Easter, and a couple of times in between. And I'm taking a Catholic who's very strong in, in her, his or her faith. And I'm going to tell the Catholic, you've got to come be part of the mediocre Coptic Orthodox faith. Leave your Catholic church. I have to see what's going on here. And there's, a, there's another issue there. So it's not, yes, and we just apply it. So this, is, this goes to how the priest has to rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, if I have it on a pen and paper to test, should the person get baptized? Yes. But if I have to deal with the issues, and yes, baptism, but that's not the first thing I got to talk about. I got to talk about a lot of other things before we say baptism, because I'm not here going to baptize anybody that says they want to get baptized. That's another thing, to be honest with you. Someone says, I want to get baptized, I say, okay, wait. Wait one, one week, year, sometimes two years. I've kept people two years waiting for baptism. Now, you would say that doesn't make sense. They should be baptized right away. No, that's not how the church is. It's baptism. It's entering into the life of the church. Are you going to continue or is this just a fad, a phase? Someone who's dating, for example, and they've dated one week. Am I going to baptize them after week two or wait a little bit longer to see if this is a real relationship? And to see how deep the relationship is. Uh, for them, and wh- what is the, the reason? And Saint Cyril of Jerusalem, wonderful in his co- in his catechetical uh, discourses, he said, he said, uh, some of you have come here because you want you've come to the church because you want to get married. You come to the church because you're looking for uh, to marry somebody that's in the church. He says that in this, this he's trying to c- tell them about Christianity. I know some of you are here for the wrong reasons. 
But he says, the net of Christ has caught you and captured you, and now you are here and you will be here for the right reasons. So there's, there are things that we have to do uh, slowly. So I'm not, I'm not giving like a, uh, an answer that is, you don't have to baptize, you can marry outside the church. No, I'm saying it has to be, we have to understand why the baptism. If it's baptism for marriage, I don't accept that. Which is, it's tough to say. But I'd rather you come to the church because you believe in Jesus Christ, not because you want to get married. That's, and that's a very tough conversation to have. Thank God I haven't had to have that often. But, um, but this, is what I'm, this is what I'm saying. It's, 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 it's tough. Otherwise, look, if you have a church where people are bat- getting baptized for the wrong reasons, taking communion for the wrong reasons, uh, getting married for the wrong reasons, becoming priests for the wrong reasons, then, it's, then the sacraments mean nothing. We've cheapened everything. Uh, that you have to come to Christ, wanting Christ, and this is, this is always good for us to use that. And I love, I love the relationships of the people that come. When the person is outside and they don't want to come join the church and they begin to talk to us about the church, I find that that person who was hesitant in the beginning becomes stronger in the church, more rooted. And then the problem comes is that they see everybody else. Abuna, you told me to come at 8. How come everybody else comes 9? 9, 9.30, whatever. How come everybody else is doing this? That You told me I can't eat fish on this day. Everybody else is eating fish. You told me I have to fast from the very beginning. How come everybody Then there's another problem, right? So it's a bigger picture, but the sacrament is not the solution. The sacrament is part of, um, part of the, the service, the pastoral service of the church to the individual. It's, uh, it's a good question to ask, and I, I, I'm being open and honest with you. Uh, and that's maybe why I'm in a small church. I can be open and honest with a small group of people uh, as opposed to a bigger church. And is, is that... Uh, all right. Let's work on reading the next seven sections, very small, from 33 to 40, on uh, the incarnation. Um, I'm sorry I didn't send out a letter last week. I'll send out it again. You can listen to it on Audible, or sorry, on audio. Uh, as well as there are lots of internet copies of it in English. Um, and I can, I can put some links there. And if you have any questions or comments, you can come back um, and we can talk about it next week as well. Go in peace, the peace of the Lord be with you. Don't forget to pray. And fast. And some matanyat, please. Some of the kings. Isn't there any books about um, St. John, the sayings of St. John? Chrysostom? Yes. Yeah, but not St. John. But 